Welcome to the Renovate Church Sermon Podcast. At Renovate Church, we are passionate about teaching God's Word in such a way that you really get to know the heart and character of God and where you can apply the truth of Scripture to every aspect of living. We believe that God's Word is relevant and has the power to transform your life. We're excited for this most recent sermon and we hope it blesses and encourages you. Good to be here. Thank you, um, Dave. Yeah, when um, I was wrestling between uh, which movie, they've said, "Hey, we need a movie. Uh, we're doing summer at the movie." I was like, "Man, that's fantastic!" And and uh, I love movies. I I grew up. My mom uh, forced me to watch old movies, and um, and I remember like these, you know, black and white movies. And it's funny because some of the things, you know. Uh, for the young people that we've now dismissed and uh, even the less younger kids that are in here, as you get older, you start to have a greater appreciation for, you know, what your parents have, have sometimes forced you to do that you're thankful for looking back. And, um, and so love movies and, uh, you know, but at the time I, I wondered, like, you know, why am I watching this black and white movie? And now I'm forcing my kids to watch, my daughter to watch Casablanca. Come here, you got to watch this with me, you know. And she's like, Dad, what are we doing? I'm like, Shh, just watch the movie, you know. And um, so, um, so anyway, I love movies and, and good movies. Now, the movie that we're talking about uh, a little bit today is called The Quiet Place. Now, full disclosure, this is not necessarily uh, full fr- family friendly. It's quite violent. It's in an apocalyptic time. And kind of this, uh, I think my wife would call it, my wife does some writing and stuff, a dystopia where, like, the, you know, these aliens have attacked the planet. And, but in the movie, it's interesting because this is kind of kept churning around, knocking around in my head. And I didn't know necessarily where the message was going, but that was the movie that kind of came to mind. And uh, so, you know, this will be kind of a spoiler alert if you haven't seen it. But um, the, the, this family is trying to stay alive. And they're just fighting to stay alive. And the monsters that are after them respond to any kind of noise. And so they're just trying to, everything is a challenge because any noise that's made brings them under attack. And, um, and so it seems like, right, sometimes in family, and my wife and I, we have four kids starting at 21 and now just turned 11. And so, um, Sophie, I'll see you tonight. And, um, and so, um, it's kind of, you know, amazing as you look at it, because there's no doubt, there should be any doubt in anybody's mind that the family is under attack. And as you look throughout the Bible, uh, the family being the foundation of our culture, and even as you do any kind of study, even a, a secular study on it, understanding as the family breaks down, many times, um, the, the culture and the nation go with it. So um, as we've seen that under attack, um, it, it seems like the movie fit, that the family is under attack. And um, it's been pretty amazing as, as we talked to the men yesterday, and, and I want to make sure I cover some of these notes. But before I do, uh, the, the meeting yesterday, just talking about one of the parts that we mentioned was the world is looking for something authentic. Right? We have the fake and everyone putting uh, kind of their best version uh, or in some cases their worst version of themselves on social media. And if you, 
uh, go on some of these things. I'm not on them much, but it just, if you go on Facebook or, did I say Facebook? Sorry, Facebook or something like that, right? You, then you, you, it doesn't seem like people are putting um, necessarily like, oh, here's the real kind of life that's going on. And doing family is a challenge. And it is a fight. And it is a challenge. I don't know that as my wife and I have done this and we've uh, been in ministry for quite some time and, and we find ourselves now, I teach and coach football at a little school in Boca Raton, my wife. Uh, does therapy and is our director of counseling at the school K through 12 and so we're involved with families and young people and then that traces back to parents and marriage and so we're involved in that quite a bit and it is tough and so if you come today thinking man I you know I want it to be easier I get it and hopefully uh, we can give you some practical things that might help with that but um, it's it's not easy and uh, as you raise kids and start to understand like they don't necessarily do the things they should do or don't do or what, you know, I mean, it's like it can be sometimes very frustrating. But as the world is looking for something authentic, uh, I thought of an example. I remember our, our scouts. So we have a, the, in the, every NFL team has a whole scouting division of a n- number of guys that go out and look at prospective players not just college players, but even from other teams are evaluating to see, okay, his contract is up. Maybe we should get him. Is he a good fit? Does he work? Is this college player, uh, is he going to be a good pro player? Is he going to fit in our scheme? Is, uh, all kind of things they're looking for. And, um, and so I noticed, I, I think I was in my second year, and I noticed all the scouts were back at the facility. And I was like, man, this is kind of crazy. You guys are, are back here. Like, oh, uh, are y'all off the road this week? And I remember turning to one of the guys I was going out to practice. Are y'all not on the road this week? And he said, no. He said, we come back every so often and watch you guys. And I said, why would you scout us? And he said, we're not scouting. We're resetting what a pro looks like. Because we get out there and we see a bunch of college players. And by the time we're a few weeks into this, a college player that will never make it in the NFL starts looking like, man, he's a pretty good player. And then when we come back, we realize we see the authentic, we're around the authentic and realize, yeah, that guy, I can scratch him off the list because that guy will never make it. And so um, for you to recognize, right, the authentic or to have the authentic or to, you need to be around it, right? And it helps sometimes reset things. So when I come to Austin, I get to be around some authentic people. I find in our culture down in South Florida, you have a lot of people calling themselves Christian, but I go, man, how you're living, how you're functioning isn't what I would define as a Christian, but you know, whatever. And then I get around Dave, I get around Tato, I get around uh, Donnie, and I go, man, these guys have something authentic. And uh, yesterday, that's what I took away from the men's meeting, even as I was Uh, helping lead the men's meeting, I was like, man, there's some authentic men in this church, and it's really exciting to see what's happening with the the men that were there, and then I know even uh, many more that couldn't make it. So so God bless you guys as y'all are doing this, and and let's see if we can jump into it. So um, a quiet place, right? And I, I think that we ended up titling it a quiet place, really? Right? Like in this movie, we're using this movie. The other thought in my mind was um, Mitchell's versus the Machines, right? I don't know in family, but it seems like we're all against these things, 
right, in family, like, you know, these, uh, and my quote is, um, my favorite, my students like it when I say this, is like, these are very good babysitters, but they're the worst parents, right? Like, you know, if you're looking for 15 minutes for your kid, like, I, I got to get this done, you give them a screen, and they're great babysitters for 15, 30 minutes, but man, if this, they're constantly on this, it's going to be a train wreck, and we're seeing the fruit of that in our culture, so, um, but anyway, uh, let's move on. I'm, we're at a place now um, where uh, I get to do a lot of this, uh, more of this with my kids in ministry, my 21, 19-year-old, and even my, my daughter. Um, it's kind of fun uh, starting to do ministry with them. So uh, a friend of mine um, was, uh, was having me out to Phoenix. This was a couple weeks ago. And he said, hey, the, um, it was actually a company. Hey, when you come out here, the guy who you're speaking to, the, the businessman that you're speaking to, the primary guy there has a 21 and a 19-year-old. Do you want to bring your 21-year-old? And I was like, oh, man, I'll check with him and I'll check flights and whatever. And he said, no, 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 I'll fly you out, man. This is part of what we want to do. And, um, and so we got to go out together, and he got to see me in action and consulting uh, these uh, business guys and doing a leadership workshop in Phoenix, and it was really cool. Well, on the way out, we had a layover in Atlanta. It's hard to get out uh, of anywhere out of South Florida without flying through, you know, Atlanta or Charlotte or whatever. And so we're, we've got a considerable layover in Atlanta, and we're sitting there, and so we're talking, hanging out. It was phenomenal having that one-on-one time with my son. And, uh, and so he says, hey, Dad, I'm going to, like, walk around and have some devotion time or whatever. And, and we're both alike, and, like, we're motion thinkers. I have to be moving. If I'm sitting, I want to be watching a movie or taking a nap. And, um, and so I said, okay, yeah, I get it. I'm going to work on some of these things that I'll be presenting tomorrow. And so he's walking around, and uh, I knew he was probably going to go find somebody to pray for in the midst of that. That's just kind of how God has wired him. And so he runs across this uh, person with their leg in a brace, and he says, hey, you know, so what happened, you know, to your, to your leg? And, and so she had some sort of accident or something. He said, would you like prayer? And she said, uh, yeah, I guess so. All right. Now, this is in, you know, uh, gate, you know, a concourse F or something in the Atlanta airport. And so he gets down and actually lays hands on her knee. And, and so um, she goes, oh, wow, like I feel something happening. And, and he says, okay, we'll test it out to see if there's any pain. And so she, like, you know, starts kicking it out. And so then right there in the concourse, she goes, what the F, you know, but she says the word. And uh, so then everybody's like, what, what is happening over here? And, you know, so, uh, you know, God's doing something. So then the table next to her, the, the guy looks at, at him and goes, are you some sort of magi or something? And it's like, magi, you know, like non-believers don't know. Like, you know, it's like, no, I just, I'm a follower of Jesus and I believe in prayer. And he looks at him, he goes, do you need prayer? And he goes, uh, no, I don't. But this guy does. His back is jacked up. And so he's like having a little mini revival in the Atlanta airport. And, uh, and so, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there having, you know, my, uh, I think we were at the varsity, my, my, my bad chili dog or whatever I was having from the, my, my stadium food. And um, so anyway, it's a good time sometimes when uh, your kids start growing into some of these things. And, uh, and so it's fun. And, uh, but as I said, it hadn't been without challenges. And I thought this morning that I would give you some, 
some, hopefully some things that we found that works. Again, we've been through uh, all kind of stuff with the kids and, um, and there's still challenges. And I tell them a lot of times, hey, listen, I've never been a father to a 21-year-old. All right, so we'll figure it out together. And I've been telling them that since they were like four years old. I've never had a four-year-old. So, hey, we're going to figure this out together. So if you'll have grace for me being a dad of a four-year-old, you've never been four before. So, you know, uh, I'll have grace for you being four, you know. And, um, and so you figure it out as you go. And, um, and so it, this was a, a while back, and I go into their bathroom. And, you know, if you've got multiple kids, the bathroom is like, you know, I, it's like a, uh, yeah, I like, uh, yeah. There's no words. And, um, and one of the toothbrushes is on the toilet. And I'm like, how, like, wait a second. I just stopped the whole house. I go, wait a second. Do you know how many things is wrong with a toothbrush being on the toilet? You know? And I was like, hey, guys. And so I say, hey, we're throwing this one away. And, um, and so let's just start over with whoever's toothbrush this is. In the future, let's don't put it on the toilet, okay? There's like, you know. So, and I'm talking about like balancing on the rim of it. Like, I don't know, was it a, the brother playing a trick on the other brother? I don't know. But um, anyway, uh, so navigating these things with the kids and, um, and so anyway, but as you look at, at uh, the scripture, my, my first scripture is John 16, 26 through 28. And uh, Dave was mentioning in the pre-service prayer this morning about God's revelation as a father and uh, of as many ways, right, uh, as he could have revealed himself to us, he did it as a father and a son. And we're wearing different hats. And as you get older, when you're a kid, you're a kid, you're a child of God, and uh, you're still a child. But as you get older, you're in this place where, okay, I'm a father, uh, but I'm also still, no matter how old I get, I'm still a child of God. And I'm still um, want to function in that same thing. So look at this in John uh, 16, 26 through 28. It says this. It says, on that day you ask in my name, and I am not saying that you will request of the Father on your behalf. Okay? You're not, you're not going to ask. have to ask on your own, basically. For the Father himself loves you because, why does the Father love you? Because you have loved me. And have believed that I came from the Father. And so I don't know about you, but the way people respond to my kids, and I remember this long ago, and I didn't even put it together with this passage, but we were pastoring in Tallahassee, and I remember uh, I had a couple like, man, your kid and this young lady, um, the, the little one that came up and was uh, dancing and waving the the, the flag and everything. It reminded me of my son because my son, my oldest, used to love to do that. He would dress up like our worship leader and actually put a cape on. And he was like, I'm the super worship leader. And that's what he would do. And he would have a, he would actually wear goggles and a cape to church. And it's kind of like, should we let him do that? I mean, we're going to church. Shouldn't he be dressed a little better? And we were like, nah, that's okay. Even as pastors, we're like, hey, that's okay. This is our kid. And, um, and so uh, that's what that reminded me of, right? But I remember one of the guys in church and I, you know, we didn't know everybody real, real well in the church. Um, but he said, Hey, man, I, I met your, you know, your kid and, uh, you know, like, wow, he is amazing. 
And my immediate response to that was, thank you. Like, what is your name and what can I do for you? Now, that is a natural parent's response to someone's recognizing and praising their kid. How much more the father we serve. And when you start to tie that in and understand our response to the son gets the father's attention. If it gets my attention, how much more the father in heaven does it get their attention? And for us, one of the things we learned about family is if we can create a culture that honors God, well, how do you honor God? You honor the son. And there's a couple of points that we learned that goes with that. And one is to have a passion for his presence. It's great. I, I, I want to be in scripture. I, I uh, was reading this morning, not even related to uh, the message. I want to try to do that at different times. Um, you know, some mornings I might read uh, man, a number of chapters. Some mornings it might be one and I'm camped out on that one and I'm chewing on that one and I might go back to that one or that passage or something like that. But I, I want to be in scripture. I want to be in uh, his word, but I can't mistake that for his presence, okay? This can lead me into his presence and many times does, but I have to make sure I connect with his presence. Now, it's Father's Day, so I'm going to speak to the fathers who are uh, leading this charge in the family. And so, um, so much of what I'm saying is, yes, you're doing this with your wife, and, um, but um, for us, I take the, you know, the responsibility to, man, I've got to have this real in my life. If it's going to be authentic in my home, it has to first be authentic in me. And I want to create, right, a, a home that has a passion for his presence. Well, that starts in me. So I want to have a passion for his presence. And I'm not uh, gifted in worship. I don't play an instrument. I don't even, I don't know how to read music, any of that. Like, I, that angel just skipped right over me. But, uh, but I can... I can't worship, and um, I found that that is what uh, will bring me into his presence. I can take time with God beyond just, hey, God, this is what's going on with me. Here are my needs. Here are my prayer requests, right? If you're going to do, you know, marriage right, this is not a marriage seminar, but yes, my wife and I take these long walks. Sometimes I'm talking. Sometimes she's talking. Sometimes, man, it's just nice just to walk together, Right? I don't have to talk. I just be in her presence. I just want to enjoy her presence. I can't wait to get back, right? As she texted me this morning and uh, something like, I didn't even read it all because I felt myself crying before. And I was like, don't make me cry before I get up there, you know? And, um, and so uh, I, I'm excited to get back so we can take our walks and we can talk and catch up. And, and, um, but then just enjoy being with her, uh, right? We'll sit on the couch and watch some kind of British you know, mystery or something like that. I don't even care what it is, but I'm just next to her, right? And enjoying her presence. And I believe that's what we want to do in the home. Um, also, a culture of possibilities, not problems, right? Man, are there problems? Yeah, there's bills to pay. There's health things going on. And my wife's like, oh, uh, you know, we took her. And yes, you know, she does need braces. And it's like, well, we figured that. Or, oh, but here's like, actually, it's going to, have to be this and this as well, and then and, and here's the bill, and oh, <laughs> you know, and it's like uh, okay, um, and then there's also this other thing that you know, it's like oh, okay, 
And, um, and then it's like, hey, why is the, now this is all happening last week. Why is the garbage disposal not working? And we just placed the washing machine and wait, is the AC, is that cold air coming? It, right? You know what I'm saying? And it seems like all those things kind of happen at once. And then it's like, wait a second, the braking on my truck is not. And, you know, all I'm seeing is like, cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. And it's like, well, man, this is crazy. And then it's like, hey, don't forget, you know, the kids, we got to have money in the bank for their, you know, fall semester and whatever. And I go, oh, my gosh. And so, so there's bills to pay. There's problems happening, you know. And it's like, oh, gosh, we're trying to navigate these things. And the 11-year-old, oh, my friends is saying this. And what's going on with their friend group? And I'm like, I don't even know where to begin with that. Honey, you're going to have to deal with that. And, um, and so there's, listen, the problems are there. And so the challenge is saying, hey, okay, yes, that's true. But can we build a culture where we focus on the possibilities? So uh, these um, business guys came in town and said, hey, we're in town. We'd love to take you and your wife out to dinner. And, and it's, it's difficult. It's getting easier now, but it's difficult. To try, like, you know, it's almost like an act of Congress to get an open night, you know, to do something like that. And, um, and I said, babe, this is worth it. Like, let's go. These guys are amazing or whatever. And so, so five minutes into the conversation, we're, we're out for a nice dinner. And the CEO uh, looks at my wife and says, um, hey, what's your dream? And she was like, what? he said, look, if you could write your job description, like, man, what would it be? And it was amazing, right? What an amazing question. And my wife and I uh, talk about our dreams quite a bit. And why? So we can reset the focus of our life. And then we want to encourage the kids to talk about your dreams. Man, what are you dreaming about? What do you want to do? Where do you want to go? We want to stir them to dream. Dream bigger. What is God doing with you? What do you think God wants to do with you in a, in a bigger picture? Man, where do you want to travel to? Right? What, do you, what lives do you want to impact? Right? Are y'all tracking with me with some of this? And now all of a sudden, even thinking that, starts to change things. There was a quote that, from Stephen Covey that I liked, um, that a man came to him, and I, I don't remember who I picked this up from or whatever, but I believe it was a Stephen Covey. It said, it, that he said, a man came to him and said, I don't understand my son. Okay, anybody been there? Okay. He says, he doesn't listen to anything I tell him to do. And man, God help us if we get stuck in that place. Right? Some of us are still like, well, what's wrong with that statement? Right? I don't understand someone. They don't do anything I tell them to do. How are you going to get understanding of what's in their heart by telling them something? And sometimes it's like, hey, what is on your heart? What's going on with you? Right? And now you just sit and listen. I want to connect. I need to connect. And when you're little, like it might be something getting down on the floor and playing Legos with them or Barbies or uh, talking animals. That was my, uh, my most recent addition, Sophie. That was her thing. We played talking animals, all right? And, uh, and uh, she thinks she, at least right now, wants to be a vet. And so we just took her to SeaWorld. Again, cha-ching, cha-ching. Uh, man, $7 bottle of water starts to add up. And... Um, <laughs> And so, but it was great, right? She gets to see all the animals and it's phenomenal. And, um, and so, you, and you're doing these things to connect with them. So when they're teenagers, you already have that connection, right? 
And that's the challenge that we live in in the busyness of life of maintaining that connection. And one of the ways to do it is, man, what is going on with you? What are you dreaming about? What are some of the possibilities, right? So, um, so I, one of the, on the other side of this, one of the, I was sitting down with a, a guy one time and uh, the guy was talking about his marriage and, man, yeah, I, I, you know, I'm afraid she's going to file for divorce and like, she has no biblical grounds and he was all, you know, uh, they were just in a mess. And I just stopped him, and this has been a while now, but I just said, hey, what is your wife's dream? And he was like, like, I, I mean, I don't know. And it's like, well, you got three, like, young kids, and you're kind of in the middle of it right now. You're fighting uh, through a lot of stuff. But what is she dreaming about? Right? Your kids won't always be in diapers. They won't always be seven, three, and one, or whatever the ages were. And, like, what is she dreaming about? And he said, I, yeah, I don't know. I said, there's your problem. <laughs> Go home and ask her. Right? So anyway, that, you know, marriage, <laughs> get a little marriage in there, okay? All right, so um, we want to create a culture that honors God. Uh, number two, and this verse is out of Nehemiah, and um, this is where they were building with one hand and fighting with the other. And, um, and it says, uh, who were building a wall, those who carried materials did the work with one hand, so they're working on the wall to protect their family, right? And, and if you know Nehemiah, I would encourage you to go back and read this phenomenal book. It has so many crossovers with uh, city building and family and all these, uh, these uh, transformational um, overtones through the book. And, um, and it says, each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked. Okay, so you've got uh, a weapon in one hand. Uh, you've got doing the work with the other, and to me, battling and building, man, that is family. That's being a father, right? We're, we're, I'm trying to build this family, and I'm fighting, and, and right? And again, it's like you're wearing a bunch of hats. It's, it's incredible. But uh, so one point with that point is have a proper perspective, right? Well, what are you building? So many people say, well, I'm just trying to raise my kids. And again, trying to reset the perspective or reset the vision. I say, well, you raise cattle. You're not raising children. Why? Because they won't always be children. Once you start thinking in terms of I'm raising a wife and a mother, I'm raising a father and a husband, right? What is he going to need to be the future husband he needs to be? What is he going to need to be the future father he's going to be? You understand that little tweak in your mindset starts to shift the way you even look at their kids, right? If, unless I miss my mark, your kids are a mess, mine were too, right? Is there anyone when they were young, you know, it's always funny to me where we have these things where it's like, wow, it's crazy because this generation is so different from the last generation. Is, has, that, <laughs> has that ever not been the case? And so uh, I, when I think of myself as a kid, I think, man, did I always do what my parents wanted? No, I, I wanted to do my own thing. Did I always listen to my parents? No, I ignored them a lot. I was tough. And then I think, man, I wonder what God looks at when he thinks of us, right? Do you ever do things you know you're not supposed to do? Do you ever ignore God? Do you ever... 
right? Try to turn him off because, you know, you kind of want to figure it out on your own. Anybody done that? Yep. And so we're seeing ourselves and our kids many times, all right? Now, battle and build. Uh, one of the things is close the openings. They're closing the openings of the wall. Uh, we had uh, a rat that was getting into our house. And, um, and so, and I'd done this at a rental we had when we first moved to North Miami, where it's like, man, there's like rats getting in this place. Well, the house that we bought, we bought it as a short sale and whatever. And so there was a, uh, I figured out there, oh, there's a rat getting in the house. So I went to, um, to a store to get a rat trap and stuff. And so I asked the guy, the guy was walking by and I said, hey, look, I'm, I've got a rat I've got to kill. I've got a, a problem here. And I go, should I like try to kill them and then close the opening? I think I found where they were getting in. And he goes, no, you got to close the opening first. He said, but if, he's, because if you don't close the opening, you don't know like how many are coming in and out. And so you might kill some, but they may still be coming in and out. And I said, oh, okay, that's great. And then I thought of a time where we were in school and this family had this crazy situation where they had like, uh, you know, demons moving their furniture and one was like breathing on their daughter's neck or whatever. And so uh, they send situations like that to me at the, you know, like, of course, you'd send it to the football coach, right? <laughs> and, uh, and so they know I'm, I'm kind of crazy anyway. And so they're just like, hey, well, go to the football coach. He knows what to do with that stuff. And so I, I get excited about that. I'm like, oh, you got demons moving furniture? All right, that game on. You know, that's the way I think of it. And most people are like, oh, freak out. They got to go do this exorcist thing where they're, you know, like, you gotta, and I just go, okay, there's a couple of things usually in these situations is one, you, you got some sort of open door. And so I just plainly ask the father, I, I go, I, is it you? Have you given access to, right, your family through something you're doing? And, uh, and I kind of knew the guy. He's like, no, no, I don't think so. Um, man, I, I, I'm doing pretty good and everything. Okay, all right, good. So then I would kind of uh, figure this out. But you've got to close the, the opening, however access they're getting in, and then begin to fill the house. And I said, so begin to worship in your house. I don't need to come over there and cast anything out of your house. Just begin to worship in your house. And I said, guess what? The demonic hates that stuff. Even when you leave, just leave worship music on. You leave, you come back. You'll find the atmosphere of your house is actually will be different. I love it when my, my, kid, my kids the other night, I was dozing off on the couch, and they didn't want me to go to sleep. So they just came in, like, worshiping. My son has a guitar, and next thing you know, I'm off, off the ground with them. Or, you know, so, again, our house is a little bit different probably. But um, so he comes back to me a week later, and he goes, dude, like, that was it. That's all we had to do. He said, I figured out what was happening, right? We had a visitor, and they had actually brought drugs into the house, and I think we're actually selling them. We had a, a, someone staying with us for a little while, and so they left. We figured out, like, oh, there's something going on here, and, and so then we did exactly what you said, and it, it all ended. Like, wow, you close the openings, you fill the house, things change, right? And then lastly in this, be the first to sacrifice. All right? Like, so many times I see men and, um, and even though we want to remain childlike before God, we do need to grow up as men. And I run into men that are 50, 60 years old that are still children, trying to figure out getting their needs met. And it's like, grow up. Hey, it ain't about you, pal. Right? You got a wife, you got a kids, it's about them. And 
once you begin to realize that, it makes things very easy. And in the movie I pointed out, it's kind of crazy because John Krasinski, in the movie, he's actually really married to um, Emily Blunt, right? And uh, which was kind of cool for me watching them, you know, man and wife acting together in this movie. But uh, actually, they do have a family together. And uh, I've seen some of the things they've said about family, I have an appreciation for um, some of the things that they said about their marriage and about uh, their values with their kids and, and, um, and things like that. And I don't, I don't know them really well. Um, but um, he, again, spoiler alert, he sacrifices his life right, and gives himself up to the creatures that are after the families in the, in the earth so his wife and kids can make it. And it's, it's a pretty amazing scene. And there's something about this sacrifice, right, that he's laying down his life for his kids, right? And we have, uh, you know, the father's expression, sending his son, and his son lays down his life for his wife and kids, right, for the bride of Christ. And he's the first to sacrifice. And so in um, another guy I was sitting with was talking about his marriage and and. He was like, yeah, but you know what? I mean, she doesn't do this, and she doesn't do that, and she doesn't do this. And I said, okay, I hear all that, but you still got to get up on that cross. And he was, looked at me like I was crazy. I usually only have one or two meetings with these guys. And, um, and so I said, you need to get up on that cross. And he was like, well, what do you mean? And I said, so what? Right? You lay down your life. Yeah, but, she, you know, she submits, and the Bible says she's, I understand, but that's in the context of your leadership. Yes, I'm the leader of the home. That's right. How did Jesus lead his church? He died. He was the first to die. Oh, that's a different level of leadership right there, isn't it? Right. Okay. I bet she has less of a problem submitting to a guy that said, man, I'm willing to die. I'll be the first to die. That changes the dynamic of the family and the leadership of the home, I found. Right? Let me be the first to sacrifice. Are the dishes not done? I'll do it. Does dinner need to be made? Does shopping need to be made? Wait, traditionally, but the, you know, maybe you're, no, no, no. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what tradition and culture might say. I will do. I need to be in a place to do whatever it takes to position my family in the right way. Right, and that means sacrifice. All right. All right. Last point, and then we're gonna see if we can land this plane. And. Um, I put enjoy the Father's blessing. In Genesis 12, we see the Abraham, uh, Abrahamic covenant uh, enacted here, 12, uh, 2 and 3. It says, uh, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse, and then all the families of the earth will be blessed. Okay, why is he blessing Abraham? He's blessing Abraham to be a blessing. And why? Because he wants to bless all the families of the earth. Right? Your family should be a blessing. Are there challenges sometimes? Uh, many times, yes, I get it. Is the house chaotic? Yes, I get it. Right? I think we've already established that. But you can participate in the promise of God. And as we dovetail point two into three, men, as you're willing to sacrifice right? Guess what God tells you he's going to do, right? What happens, right? Are your children God's children? So what happens when you bless them? 
He says, I will bless those that bless you. Well, he says the same thing to your children. He says the same thing to your wife. So when you bless your wife, also you are one, husbands, fathers, guess who you're actually blessing? Now, I'm not saying that to selfishly, oh, I'm going to bless my kids so I can be blessed. I'm going to bless my wife so I can be blessed. Okay? What I'm saying is you don't have to worry about getting your needs met. Because if the Father in heaven will take care of you as you bless others, I will bless those who bless you, right? And you're the one blessing. So that person is getting blessed. He's going to bless who blesses them. And I've seen time and time again, people who have blessed me. I remember I had a situation, um, and I, I, you could, I could spend the whole week talking about the Father's uh, blessings in a number of different ways or messages. But I remember I was doing uh, some meetings down in South Beach. And one of the kids I was doing meetings with, I uh, told him, I said, hey, after this, um, I will we'll go get something to eat. Well, the meeting went long. God was moving uh, with some of these guys down there. And so the meeting ended. And as I showed up for the meeting, this kid was uh, struggling financially. Uh, I was looking for a place to park. And he said, park right here. And I said, hey, I don't have any quarters for the machine, okay? And he goes, I, I have quarters. I have three quarters left. And I knew that was probably all he had. And so he gives me these three quarters. We put them in the machine, and he told me, hey, if you, don't, if you try to find a place to park, some of these guys will leave. And I said, okay, yeah, I'll park here. Man, I'll make it up to you. I'm going to buy you some lunch. I'll give you some money. And so, so the meeting's done, and during the meeting, my wife calls and says, hey, do you forget, you're supposed to coach the Little League team today. And I was like, oh, man, I forgot. Not only do I have to be there, I got to coach. So, man, I got to get back going. And I said, I looked at him and I go, oh, man, dude, I, I don't, I'm sorry. I'm not going to be able to, and I don't have any money with me. All I can do is I can take you back up to, to where you're staying and I'll pray for you. And he said, he goes, oh, man, it's okay, man. I'm sure it'll all work out. And I've, I felt horrible. And I said, okay, before you get out of the car, let me just pray for you. I got no money. I, got, I told you I would promise you a meal. And so I prayed for him. He gets out of the car. Now, he had given me, I think it was three or four quarters. He gets out of the car, and I found this out later. And I drive back from South Beach back to we were in North Miami at the time. He calls me. He didn't even have a cell phone. Okay, that's how broke he was. And um, he calls me, I think from the Apple store. And he goes... I go, hey, man, how's it going? This is before I get home. And he goes, um, I go, hey, are you good? Did, you know, were you able to get something to eat? Did you connect with uh, some of the other guys or whatever? And he goes, no, man, you won't believe this. He said, I, I got out where you dropped me off. And as soon as I left, you prayed for me. And I left. And he said, I took two steps. And there was a guy getting into a cab who said, man, I'm flying out of the country. And they won't exchange coins at the at the airport for currency and he said i'm not coming back for a long time and i have this huge bag of coins and hands them to this guy do you want them and the guy was like yeah sure right i will bless those that bless you when you start getting that concept wired into your family your kids start wanting to bless people right and you build a culture of blessing in your home where 
like, man, we want to bless each other. I would literally, like, man, I, the kids are in bed, and I'd get in late some nights, and I'd think, man, I am worn out. I have nothing to give, and I would just go to them. I bless you in Jesus' name, and I just wanted to bless them. Is there things to correct? Is there discipline? Is there yes, yes, yes. But man, create a culture of blessing in your home. It'll make a huge, huge difference. All right? And so, um, so let me land the plane to tell you with um, this story about the story, I guess. So there was a, there was a family, uh, the McLean family, and I teach American history. And... Um, and so, um, on their farm in 1861, uh, they were very close to uh, a place called Manassa, and uh, the Confederates called it Bull Run, uh, the nor- Northerners called it Manassas, and uh, the war started, might have started uh, at Fort Sumner, but the first battle, real battle, was at Manassa and Bull Run on the McLean farm, and this family just wanted to find a, a quiet place to raise their family and to be a family and to have a farm. And they said, man, we're leaving this place. Right? This battle was fought on their property, basically. And so they leave that place to find a quiet place. Well, in the movie that we reference, right, the whole objective of the movie in the beginning is to stay quiet so the monsters don't attack you. And as the family has come under attack, there's some kind of spirit at work here that wants to keep the men and women of God, the Christians in our, in our culture seemingly in its place. And if you speak up, if you speak out, there's something that wants to attack you in that, right? About your faith, about your family, about your values. Well, they realize after John Krasinski gives his life in the movie, they realize it's actually not being quiet that kills the monsters. It's, it's a different sound that begins to kill the monsters. And this little family in 1861 moves to, of all places, Appomattox Courthouse, Virginia. And in 1865, right there in their living room, the war ends and they're just looking for a quiet place to raise their family and I know family's tough I know things are under attack but I'm just going to tell you as sure as I'm standing here right the enemy doesn't play fair he's coming for you he's coming for your family and the wrong thing to do is exactly what he wants you to do is to stay quiet about it And we were put on this earth to make a sound. And that sound begins to push back the forces of darkness. And we don't need to huddle and hide in our homes. We need to be who God has called us to be out in culture so the light can shine. Because last time I checked, there's no discussion. When you turn the lights on, darkness doesn't have a choice. It leaves. You don't hide your light under a bushel. And there's tremendous challenges for families. And so I want to encourage you today uh, as the worship team comes up um, uh, to get excited about your family 
Uh, have you made mistakes? Yeah. Have we made mistakes? Whew, I feel like we've made them all. Um, but um, the freedom that God gives us as a father is that we're still his kids. Right? And he understands it just like we should understand our kids, right? That, wow, you guys are knuckleheads sometime. But he offers us forgiveness. He offers us redemption. He offers us the freedom to start again. And so whatever your family looks like, we're going to have an opportunity in for ministry. But I want to encourage you that you have an opportunity to start again if you need to, to go to your kids and say, hey, I'm sorry, I blew it. I want to do it over. Maybe your kids don't even live with you anymore. It's okay. We have cell phones. You can text them. You begin to bridge the gap. Is it easy? Do you have to humble yourself? Yes, all those things. And I still try to model that today. Do I get it right? No. I'm still short with their mom, and I still, uh, you know, say things I shouldn't. I'm still short with them. I still yell at them. I, I focus on the wrong things. Hey, your, your socks, right? Your socks are all over there, you know, clothes. There's dirty clothes everywhere. And I'm focusing on the wrong things. Yes, do they need to clean their room? Absolutely. But you, you start to understand, man, there's something bigger at work here in the connection with the family and what God's doing. And it's the heart of God to see you enjoy the Father's blessing on your life. And here at Father's Day at Renovate, and God wants to do a work in us that we start to understand the love of the Father, this Abba Father that we have. And so uh, let's worship and then we have a, some ministry at the end. Hey, we are so glad that you joined us for our service this morning. If you are interested in learning about how you can start a relationship with Jesus, we would love to be here to talk that through with you. The Bible says in 1 John 5, 12, that whoever has the Son has life. And we really believe that here at Renovate. So again, if you want to start a relationship with Jesus, if you're just interested in learning more about the faith, you have questions, we'd love to hear from you as well. Or if you want to grow as a follower of Jesus or get more involved in what we're doing, we'd love to hear from you. So just go ahead and comment on the platform that you're at or reach out to us by email at info at renovatechurch.com. Again, we're so glad you're able to join us. We hope you have a great week and we look forward to hearing from you soon.